Welcome to Ranch Girl Rants Podcast, where a couple of cowgirls talk about pretty much everything. Social issues, current events, true crime cases, ranch living, and we even delve into the hunt for Bigfoot. This podcast may contain strong language and is suitable for mature audiences. I'm Jan. And I'm Denise. And we are Ranch Girl Rants. And today um, we are going to be discussing Sasquatch or Bigfoot. And uh, there's an interview that I did with my friend Cindy Cadell. And this is like a real, like, important person in the whole field of well, she's, uh, Sasquatchery. She's well, known. she's well known in the Bigfoot culture, uh, mainly in Oregon. Um, she's from Bend, Oregon. She's also a professional photographer, and she holds an associate fellow of photography degree. I know she has her own um, uh, rose uh, photography out of Bend. I checked it out. Really, she's yeah, an awesome she's, photographer. She is. She yeah. is. She really knows what she's doing. Um, and she she also holds a bachelor of science in anthropology and an associate in psychology. So she's a busy lady. Her senior paper lo and behold, was uh, to get her bachelor's, was Native American Myths and Legends of Sasquatch. So um, that's cool. started for her a while ago. I wonder um, how that went over with her professors. You know, I guess I guess if you tied it in on Native American Myths, they're like, okay, but if she just did a paper on Sasquatch, maybe I might have raised well, my Well, you know, bros. it might not have been such a reach if it's yeah. a school in Oregon, because Oregon is laden with Sasquatch okay. lore. All right. You know, so I don't know. Um, That's cool, though. It would be interesting to ask her that next time I talk to her. Yeah. So um, she's uh, she's currently a, an anthropologist with BLM, Bureau of Land Management. And she's, um, as I met her, a um, BFRO, Bigfoot Research Organization, expedition leader. Um, and she is how I kind of, she kind of accelerated my interest in this because I went to two of her expeditions over a two-year period and uh had a great time and learned a lot, so. Okay, cool. All right, so um, how we're gonna do this, in this clip, we're going to uh, listen to Cindy talk about how she got started in this whole business of researching for Sasquatch and trying to figure out if Sasquatch really does exist. So let's take a listen. First, I started out as a professional photographer, which I technically still am, I just don't have the volume like I used to do. so I started out doing that, and then when digital hit, my sales went down every year, so I went back to school. I got my associate's degree in psychology, and I was continuing my psychology degree because I wanted to teach, or not teach, but um, be a, oh gosh, a counselor for high, in high school, maybe junior high. But I kept taking these uh, anthropology classes, and one class in particular was like Anthropology 101, like the first page showed Gigantopithecus. I'm like, this is really cool. And so I kept taking anthropology classes and then the head of the anthropology department was like, hey, Cindy, why are you a psych major? You know you want to be an anthropologist. And so my senior year, I changed over to anthropology and um, I had my bachelor's of science in anthropology. Um, And then I've worked as an archeology span technician for the Bureau of Land Management that for a few years and uh, right now I'm doing substitute teaching because it keeps me closer to home and uh, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Okay so she talked about the giant, I'm going to jack this up again so let me get back on Google, the giant Topithecus mm-hmm. which was the largest ape 
in ancient times that ever lived. And I just saw a Google image of this thing. You saw that And we're talking boy. like, what, this is like million, like oh, 100,000 years ago, I guess. It became extinct 100,000 years ago due, its, due to its inability to adapt. So... The, and they think it's just because of its size and its size was like 10 feet tall. I just saw a picture of this. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, it looks like Bigfoot except for the feet were more ape-like, but right. wow. The, the thumb, okay. the, where the, the, where the big toe is, is more of a thumb. It's more of the feet are more like hands. Interesting. And in the original version so. of this thing. Yeah, it does. It kind of matches a little bit. I mean, and, and up to 10 feet. And so some of the sightings that I've seen or read about have them at 10 feet eight, nine, 10 feet tall. If you can imagine, you can't even fathom that. If you stand in your doorway of your house, what's a door jam? What's the height of a door jam? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, 10 feet, eight, eight maybe eight and know. a half. Big. I'm looking so at wine. Add a couple of feet to that. And that's what you're standing next to. And those pe- people that see this thing, I mean, if you can just imagine. So the, the giant Topithecus, they've sent, they've seen, they have fossil evidence that this thing existed. Mm-hmm. So and they say that they the theory is that it crossed across the land bridge into North America and and possibly adapted into what we people are seeing now. I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not an anthropologist. I'm not a psych major either. But well, hey, I, I can see I can see why Cindy would have been interested in now researching mm-hmm. sightings of this giant thing that mm-hmm. is that we have fossil evidence that it mm-hmm. had existed a hundred thousand years ago. All right. Well. Let's 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 move on. Where um, now, Cindy's going to tell us uh, about BRFO, mm-hmm. um, how it got started, which is the um, the Bigfoot Research Organization, and mm-hmm. she's how she got involved, how in she it. got involved in it, and um, and we'll go from there. I see. All right, here's Cindy again. Um, well, first of all, my stepdad came from Northern California, so. He used to live not far from where the Patterson-Gimlin film was captured, and for those who don't know, that's that 1967 footage of a female Sasquatch walking across the creek bed. So he was always interested in Bigfoot because that was in his area. And so he would talk to me about it, and so I kind of got interested as a child um, in Bigfoot, and um, I wouldn't say obsessed, but... I would always go check out any books I could find on Bigfoot and watch in search of and whatever else I could find on Bigfoot as a child. And about 10 years ago, my daughter was like, hey, there's these BFRO expeditions. you want to go on one? And I said, sure, Bigfoot Field Research Organization, which Matt Moneymaker started, I think, in the 90s. But he has these expeditions where he puts them on or he has somebody um, that's one of his researchers, investigators put them on and went to that and met some really cool people that seemed really normal because you never know. I mean, there's a stigma attached to Bigfoot research where everybody's crazy, but it's really not that way. I mean, for the most part, it's just everyday people that maybe have an interest in it or had an experience they can't explain. So kind of got into it that way. And then at one of the expeditions, a recording was made of a Sasquatch they think, screaming in the woods. They couldn't attribute it to anything else other than an unknown something. So that ended up getting on Finding Bigfoot, I think their second episode on one of the Oregon, no, I'm sorry, one of the Washington episodes. And so I was there for that filming. And so anyway, I got to meet Matt, who started the BFRO and who was a cast member for 
um, finding Bigfoot on Animal Planet. And he asked me to be an investigator for him because he had some reports coming out of the Tillamook area on the Oregon coast. And so I said, sure. And so that's kind of how it started for me as a, a researcher and expedition leader was Matt asked me to do that for him. And he also asked my husband, who's a police officer. And so Jared isn't as into it as much as me. He's actually not really into it. I kind of lead him into it. All right. So explain to me who Matt Moneymaker is. Well, the little I know of Matt, I've never, well, I have kind of met him. I had a kind of like a Bigfoot sighting of him as he was running to the restroom at a, the Bigfoot uh, festival in Willow Creek. And I was trying to get his attention as he was running through the lobby. So that's what I saw of Matt. But um, Matt, yeah, Matt um, founded BFRO in the 90s, as she said. And um, he is the overall uh, CEO. When you go on these expeditions, he has, he, he's also, I believe, an attorney. So he has waivers that he is, he will give you if you're interested in expedition, you have to sign waivers and non-disclose, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, he covers his bases when, because the public's invited to these expeditions, you just don't know who's going to come. They do a, a bit of a vetting of the person, the citizen that wants to go. Um, so as long as you pass whatever filter they put you through, then, then he will, he has a, a secretary that forwards you the paperwork. You sign these waivers and this and that, and then you go. And each one is different. Sometimes you can take a two-wheel drive car. It'll say on the information, but they're different. Some are close to town, some are not. Most of them, you have to be self-sufficient. They're usually three days, and you have to bring your own food and, and be self-sufficient. So. so so, when he started this in the 90s, he was just this one guy decided he was going to start this organization, do anything about You know, I don't history? know the details of that. You know, um, again, Cindy would know more of that, the yeah. details of that. Um, I guess you can Google it, Matt, yeah, Matt, yeah. Matt Moneymaker, yeah, and see how he started so this whole thing. So if you thing. watched Finding Bigfoot, um, this, this is a little funny that I add to this. He's at the beginning of Finding Bigfoot, if you ever watched the show. It's on the Animal Channel. Right. Animal, Animal Planet. Planet it was. It's, it stopped. The mm-hmm. um, Animal Planet um, ended the, sh- the series. I think it was on several years. But the, the first clip is you could hear Matt on that, this episode. They get something on thermal of a bipedal figure running across a, a ridge, a, a hill. And Matt says, there's something on the hill. And that's that's kind of a, you know, his little famous line there. But, you know... He, um, there's interesting dynamics between Matt and the other cast members. Renee Holland, who's a biologist, Cliff Barackman, who is uh, good friends with Cindy and Jared, and w- they work together on research. Um, Bobo, I forgive me, I can't forget, remember his last name. But it's quite an interesting mix of personalities. So if you haven't watched Finding Bigfoot, I'm sure you can find it. It's very interesting. And then you would, you would learn more about Matt Moneymaker. So. Okay. Interesting. Okay, well, in this next clip, Cindy's going to tell us about skeptics, which I'm sure there are many. Myself, I am a skeptic. I'm not an unbeliever. I'm open-minded. Yeah, I'm open to it. I'm open to it, but I'm not like convinced yet, I guess. I don't know. Um, I'm still on the fence. But that's, you know, a lot of it's people. It's going to have to swim so up she- and bite you. <laughs> exactly. I haven't seen one while I'm hiking yet. What are yet. you going to do until the whole town gets eaten? Come but, on, You know, I, I know, I know. <laughs> so anyway, she talks about ske- skeptics. She talks about um, skeletons. How come we haven't found a skeleton and that sort of thing. Which so. is always the question I get when I talk to people Correct. about this. Correct. So she's going to give us those answers right now. Well, let's look at the, like, say, the cougar population. 
Um, there's like, I don't know, what, 30,000 animals in North America they're estimating, and they've only found like 56 carcasses. And so that's cougars where we know that's out there. And then if we look at black bears, there's like, I don't know, 600,000 in North America, and in the United States alone, 300,000 individuals. And there was a bear biologist. He had never seen a dead black bear unless it was shot or hit by a car or whatever. He only found one one time, and it had crawled into a log, and its paw was sticking out, and he saw the paw, and he's like, what the heck is that? Walks over, it's a dead bear. So, I mean, animals, they get sick. They go hide somewhere until they feel better, and sometimes they die. And I think that maybe they hide. I mean, I still, I personally, with my scientific background, I want a body. You know, that would explain why maybe we're not finding it. I mean, and also, I mean, bodies disappear really fast. I mean, there's all kinds of animals that come to eat them. And, I mean, there was like a, a, a snake that was, drove over in our driveway and I kind of watched it, it sounds sick, but I kind of watched it for a few days to see what was going to happen and you know all these little animals were coming to eat on it, ants, insects, it was completely gone within a few days. So I, things like that can happen. Well I have to say after the many miles that I've hiked in the backcountry I've only want to come across one carcass and it was pretty a fresh kill that a mountain lion had been eaten on what was kind of creepy was that we passed it went oh look at that and hiked further and then i don't know a few hours later came back and the carcass was gone <laughs> so that, that coyote came and got the or not the uh, the uh, either, well it could have been a coyote but the mountain lion probably came and got it well people in the know will tell you that different predators uh handle their prey differently like mountain lions i understand will not take the prey right away they will bury it and come back to it to yeah. finish it um there's been again uh, reports of people that have seen uh bigfoot or whatever carrying off hogs um, uh, going in and eating the entrails of deer and different different scenarios with prey, but um, it, it, people in the know know how predators dispose of their prey, and it's all differently. And it's not um, a lot of a lot of scenarios have been that uh, there's no trace that they take the whole thing if they believe it's Bigfoot that's taken. Like Bigfoot have been known to attack uh, cattle, pigs, goats, chickens. Uh, whatever they can get their their hands on so not a lot of uh, remnants of what's left but as as you know and difference would be mountain lions where they leave some of the carcass and come back they bury it and come back and eat the rest of it later well who knows I mean Sasquatch if there's any kind of some somewhat of a communal population of mm -hmm. beings maybe they're burying their own mm -hmm. or doing away with their own or there's whatever been, there's been stories of observing them dumping a large bundled up with sticks and branches and bramble something in the river interesting yeah a creature like bending over and dropping something into the water and there and you know which again that's just one more piece of evidence that shows that there's some intelligence there and they're trying to keep themselves uh you know off the rate off the radar as it were although there's just a whole you know spectrum of different kind of you know sightings and whatnot I mean, you know either they're very bold or they're very secretive but um who knows i mean we don't know everything that's the thing it's like people that say ah oh, it doesn't exist and you know they find 
species every day, undiscovered species every day, they find a new species of something. So it's beyond me why anyone would be arrogant enough to say, oh. But this is a 10-foot yeah. tall species. Yeah, but it's not got, some little microorganism. Well, this it's is not like, like a fish with no intelligence. It's it's yeah. displayed intelligence, it's huge, in you know, in trying to uh, evade, and so that's probably why they've lasted as long as they have. If they're, you well, know. I know that you know a lot of hikers go missing. I'm not saying Bigfoot got them, but I'm saying they've fallen off cliffs or they've just gotten lost in the woods and they disappear. And I think because at, you know they die maybe from exposure or they, they had an injury or felt you know whatever they die and then the animals eat them period and mm-hmm. they find no trace and maybe they might find some remnants of a backpack or a tent or something years later but the trace of that well, which goes into person the, David Colitis missing 411 um, whole world where he's written several books about that and in very very unusual circumstances in these missing lots of missing people in the national parks yeah, well, just the national forest in general. Mm-hmm. I, I every time there's a missing hiker, I'm all over it because I'm a hiker, mm-hmm. and so I'm all over it. There's still one Pacific Crest Trail hiker. His trail name was Sherpa. Chris Fowler is his name, and he disappeared up in the northern Cascades of Oregon. He was really close to almost finishing the trail, the whole 2,600 miles, and but he was kind of late in the season. He was kind of lagging behind, so it started snowing really heavily. In the time that he was trying to get was over, he the doctor? No. Oh, no. I, that's not, but that name sounds no. familiar. In that, but it, this was back in 2016, mm-hmm. and he's still missing. And yeah. that every, and every year there's thousands of through hikers going on the Pacific Crest Trail. The mom keeps putting out, you know, look for Sherpa, look for Sherpa. You know, wow, that she knows that's so it. Sad. And he's there's no missing. closure for the family. That's no. the tragedy. And of they don't it. know, you know, if he because of the snow, if he, you know, tried to bail out of the Pacific Crest Trail and then got lost, you know, somewhere off trail. But man, it just which goes back to awful. the to the lots of stories of search and rescue have searched an area two three times. They come back and then they find something where they had already looked. So that's that, that's very bizarre. And that happened too with this one ranger up in the Southern Sierra. There was a book about it. It was called the La- the Final Season. It's a really good book. He was a National Forest Backcountry Ranger, been doing that job for like thirty years. Highly, they, he was like the god back there of rangers. And he came up missing. They found him seven years later. But they found him in a place that they had they had searched. Right. Lots but, of stories like that. Yeah. They found. Uh, toddlers and children and and small small people you know a couple hundred feet up inside stuffed inside of a crevice where that child there's no way in hell that kid could have crawled up there on his right own. so you know you're not finding skeletons of bigfoot there's probably just good darn biological reasons you know, nature will, nature we'll... nature takes care of its own well, I might be around when they find him. I know you're going to croak before I do, but you know, hey, <laughs> I hope you're will, with us. You, I hope you're there. Will you the at least day. get a goddamn clear picture of him? I know. And Jesus. what is the deal? Okay. Can I just got to say, here's a rant for Bigfoot people that post this crap on, on the, on, uh, I'm, you know, I'm on, you know, Bigfoot research organization, Facebook page. I'm on Sasquatch Hunter, da, 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 da. Oh, if I see one more picture of a bunch of green foliage and there's a, supposedly a face in there. <laughs> Uh, I don't see it. Uh, maybe I'm the only one on earth that is not, make- my vision is bad, but I, one day I had enough and I, I made a comment and I got attacked with hatchets, man. They came after me like dogs after sausage. They were just like, what do you mean? It's, can't you see it? There's the eyes. There's a- oh, no stretch. You can't stretch it that far. I'm sorry. Post stuff that's 
that's got some validity to or something that's valid i mean come on it's always something really 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 blurry yeah <laughs> or at night it, i don't know it's just I, i'm like my god we have these cell phones on our cam- right. these cell phones that have cameras that are in such high definition i have a photo in my bathroom that i blew up to 40 inches by 36 inches i took with my cell phone and it's perfectly clear right. you know it's well like, my you god gotta, you be able to, to be fair though um a lot of the a lot of the stories from people that uh, they're caught off guard well they're caught off guard and they're they're scared to death and you're not really some people can think that clear to get your iphone out and find the camera icon on it and take a picture <laughs> but i don't know that get i would your... be one of them and i've faced off some dangerous criminals and this and that but i don't know that i would be have presence of mind in order to get a good picture and that's maybe why but don't well, no more foliage but oh, some of these face. people there's are out there purposely the looking leaves. for them so they've got their cameras rolling they still can't seem well, to get a good a, picture gopros you know just turn that shit on and leave it on you yeah. know what i'm saying and then edit out the stuff that's useless i don't know <laughs> <laughs> hey i don't have the answers all right cindy now is going to describe a really scary and unexplained nighttime encounter at a horse camp up in oregon so let's take a listen to that Okay, so I was with Shane Corson, who's, he has Monster X Radio, and then he's also part of the Olympic Project. He pretty much um, takes care of all their business at, at the moment, um, and I'm part of the Olympic Project, too. But anyway, we were out at a horse camp in Tillamook Forest area, and it was in, a, it was in January. It was freezing i think well not exactly freezing it was probably 35 degrees i don't remember exactly but it was right above freezing it was pouring rain so cold that we couldn't even keep our fire going it was basically nothing (laughs) it was just a smoldering mess um and i was like nothing seemed to be going on and so i just went to bed and i was sleeping in my truck and shane had his tent and three different times Shane came and got me. He's like, there's something out here because he had a FLIR with him, which didn't have recording capability, which is frustrating. And I go out, nothing be there. Go out, nothing be there. The third time I go out, I see something behind a tree. And it's about 60 yards away. And it looks like a head, a tiny bit pointed on top, and possibly a shoulder, like peeking around a tree, and then would go behind the tree. When it would go behind the tree, the other side, something would pop out, which... I'm thinking now might have been a shoulder. Whatever it was was naked. There was no details on it from the thermal imagery camera, um, a FLIR, because, you know, it was white hot. And I watched it for a while, and I finally yelled out. I said, hello. And when I got the H out, just the, like, whatever it was, dropped to the ground really fast, like, I've never seen anything move that fast, which it startled me. And I think whatever it was dropped to, like, maybe all fours. I mean, it looked like a head and a shoulder behind a tree popping in and out. And I gave the clear back to Shane, and it had disappeared after that. I think he maybe saw it for a little bit, but then it was gone. But either it was a naked man out in the forest or or possibly a Sasquatch, but, you know, we don't have evidence. It's just a story at this point. We didn't record it because our player didn't have recording capabilities, right? And Shane went out right, like, literally right after I saw it, after we couldn't find it anymore. And so we're doing comparisons. I'm staying by the campfire with the player, and he's walking around the bushes, and the bushes are, like, four feet high. You couldn't tell it um, at the moment without the 
clear, really, because it was so dark. It was pitch dark. So Shane and I picked out the next day. We did, did a reenactment. We found the tree. We think it was behind, and we think that it was about seven and a half feet tall. There were some scuff marks in the dirt next to the tree, and uh, we think that's where it was standing. And it's just weird if it's a, you know, some man out in the forest. Why was he 60 yards away staring at us? It was in January. There's nothing going on out there. Nobody in their right mind would be out there camping. It was, like I said, it was pouring rain. So, I mean, possibly it's a Sasquatch. I mean, like I said, I still want a body to, like, totally commit, but... I'll talk to people that say they've seen them and they are honest, you know, intelligent people. And they right. describe basically the same kind of stuff that Native Americans described. And so we get that cross-culture um, stories that are exactly the same. So it's, it's intriguing to me. I think if it's real, it's just some kind of undocumented ape, maybe a descendant of Gigantopithecus. I don't know. Okay, that was creepy. Yeah, I've been there. Um, when I, on my first expedition, um, they took me out there to that horse camp. That horse camp is freaky. I mean, you could be sitting in the along the perimeter edge of your campsite, and the bramble and the ferns and this and that are so thick. Something could, you know, Bigfoot could be sitting behind you having a hamburger. You wouldn't even know anything's behind you. It, that, that's how it's kind of creepy that way, and it. And as she says, you know, a naked man out in the forest. No, I don't not think in January, so. <laughs> not in January. But in, in knowing the area, I've driven back there. It's way the hell back. OK, it's back there. You, you have to make an effort to get back there. There's no rhyme or reason for someone to be nude back there unless they went out there and took some PCP, which, you know, <laughs> has happened, I'm sure. But it's way too off the beaten track and too unreasonable to think that it was a yeah. man that was not wearing clothing out there. OK, so what was this gadget they were using? Um, it's a thermal imager. So it, it picks up heat signatures and off of uh, anything that gives off a heat signature. So you can go out in the forest, hit, hit some rocks or a tree, and the sun, if the sun was out that day, any heat, residual heat will appear on the thermal imager. And it comes off a different contrast color so that you can see the heat areas. And so you can see when there's a living thing, um, the different colors. You could set the thing to different shades, however you want to do it. When she says white hot, then it's usually it's a black and white picture. And it's a real bright white would be the heat. So what she was describing is, is picking up on something that was moving behind a tree that had a heat signature. Wow. <laughs> and a head and a shoulder. And dropped down after she spoke fast right so what's up with that and then uh it's just to me it's just you know so this one they had couldn't record but they have yeah. one that can record i believe now. there's uh, now on the market but i mean i think they're hella money i mean oh. they cost a lot of money to get those wow. are they are ones that have a recording mechanism on them and um i've looked through the um nighttime vision you know, and, and that's okay, but it's not as fun as the thermal imager because the thermal imager is a little more uh, detailed. It just, I that's don't know. That's what police use, right? I yeah. mean, they... well, a forward, a flur forward, uh, God, infrared. Because I've seen the helicopters where they're chasing the guy through the neighborhood and you just see this white form of a person right. running. Well, I've, I've so actually that's been on using? the other end of that searching for some robbers, um, some people that robbed a store and. Butte County, and we were helping um, Oroville CHP look for him in the river bottoms. H-20, which is the CHP helicopter, was flying overhead. We were down on foot, and they were guiding us by the radio 
where they were picking up a heat signature because these two these three people dug and burrowed like rats down into the to the leaves and whatnot and they hid themselves from us without the fleur without leslie berndle who is an officer up in the helicopter telling me okay whoever that is down below me keep walking now turn right and i was so freaked out because it's starting to get dark and i i it was like leading the blind and i she finally said okay right there there's a heat signature now sometimes heat signatures will remain when the object has moved on they will remain for a little bit but we found them they were hiding underneath a bunch of dirt and stuff they covered themselves up so remember the movie predator or a little bit yeah yeah, that's that's what she. That's and, and the, kind so, of the similar. Yeah, and, but remember, he rolled around in mud, and supposedly that kept him from. Would that work? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, if, you, if they're picking Bigfoot up on other things with hair all over him, I don't think mud's going to cover your yeah. heat signature up. But um, that's crazy. It's an invaluable tool to find people. I mean, you know, and they they use it a lot. So okay, well, she had a crazy encounter at this horse camp mm-hmm. and you guys camped there yeah we did and well did i you... didn't spend the night there i was i'm not brave enough to do that okay but. well what happened real quick so when we were on the expedition there were a couple of people in the in the expedition that did spend the night there and had some crazy stuff happen um a couple of teenagers stayed in the corral okay so it started with the people staying in the horse camp a couple of years ago cindy found out about the report she did the follow-up on it that's what brought her to the horse camp because okay. of the report folks were there with their horses Something starts walking across the ridge above their horse corral. The horses are going nuts. They get the hell out of Dodge like in the middle of the night. She finds out about it. She follows up on it. Her and Shane Corson went out there, and that's what happened. So, yeah, and then we, or we went out there for the evening. I went back because I'm too chicken shit to spend the night there. After hearing all of this nonsense, what's going on at this horse camp? He's like, you know what? I'm adventurous, but I'm not a fool, right? So these teenagers stayed in the corral where these horses had been, where they'd seen this thing standing behind the corral and had something was throwing rocks at him in the middle of the night and they were throwing rocks and throwing rocks and something bipedal was running around the camp and the the poor teenager um i think his name was bryson was so scared he was in a fetal position on his cot he couldn't even look up he was so horrified to see what the hell was running around in the camp and they were trying to wake up the adult which I believe was Randy Sylvie, which I'm going to try to interview later on. And he was snoring in his tent and they couldn't get him <laughs> awake. And anyway, I, I, I recorded their encounter the next day. They, it was pretty funny and, and pretty scary. So yeah, that was the horse camp. And so I know the layout and it is, it's creepy. Wow. So what was she talking about? The Olympic project? The Olympic is the Olympic mountain range, which runs through Washington state. It's a large mountain range that goes forever. And, um, Shane Corson and his partner, and forgive me, I can't think of his name right now. Um, are part of the Olympic project. Basically they're researchers and they, they start out, they put like, uh, game cameras on the top of a lot of ridges and leave them for a long time. And they go back and retrieve the footage to see if there's anything on there. They've branched into, they've now found unusual nests in the area. Um, In certain areas that they're researching, they've had Dr. Jeff Meldrum from Idaho State University come out and do the whole scientific approach with the collection of DNA, you know, hair and this and that out of these nests. Um, The... um, current uh situation is they're still out there doing that they shane um and others go out and do these serious scientific based research expeditions so they've been doing this for a long time and this guy shane's a great guy he's a survivalist guy taught us you know class at the expedition i went to but yeah they go out there and they um there's they're hardcore 
and they are looking. They both have seen Bigfoot. Shane has got a story. Uh, he saw it. Uh, his partner has seen it. Um, it's not a matter of whether he's out there. They are just trying to convince others. Mm-hmm. Here's some evidence. Look, you know, we know it's there. We're we're not. It's not a. We don't need to convince ourselves. We've seen it. So. Okay, so that brings us up now to the the scream. Tell tell me where where'd the scream come from? We're gonna play a recording of with Cindy. It was from as I remember, and Cindy probably will correct me later, but I do believe she did record this from that very horse camp. Oh, okay. She recorded this, and so we'll and so turn up your your uh, your volume on your device, or you or might want to put on headphones for yeah, this. Yeah, headphones are really. Uh, and and just you know form your own opinion it was it's 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 a uh, it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> and okay let me ask you this so uh has it been verified by anybody she has had she has had expert vocal um i don't know what they call the experts with audio but they she has sent the recording to expert to an expert and the expert says it is not any animal any living thing he's ever heard before okay unidentified source so not your typical forest so she's not just you know bringing it out at cocktail parties and laughing and saying it's bigfoot she is she is doing the due diligence and having an expert look at this analyze it exactly and which they ruled out mountain lion screams because mountain lions have this mating weird scream that they do woman screaming and Um, assaulted yeah it's mountain lions are nuts elk has weird all kinds of weird stuff elk have weird bugle sounds that Mm -hmm. reverberate dogs barking sometimes can have a, a the forest makes really coyotes, a lot of echo. coyotes can sound pretty freaky too the other thing that you need to rec- remember when you're listening to this is the sheer lung power and volume that right. this thing this this is they're in an area where whatever it was was for, at a distance and so even at a distance it was loud and so you can tell by when you listen to it that it, something had some juice behind it something had a huge diaphragm and that's a common and it just kind of kept going too it wasn't yeah, like and a it's one a common time. report that it sounds some people have actually felt the vibration of this thing screaming like my sister yeah yeah and we i talked about that in a prior episode where she was on a lonely highway up in the mountains above McLeod, California, up in the Northern California forest area, and heard this driving by, heard this unbelievable scream Which coming out of the forest. Which is crazy, because when you're driving by, <laughs> even with your windows down, you're not going to get a, a much of a, a high volume on right. anything, because you got the wind flying past your ear, and you know. Yeah, she said it reverberated, and then they pulled over, and like, what the hell? And they did it again, and that time they're like, oh, we're out of here. We're yeah. so out of here. Yeah. All right, here's the scream. Judge for yourself.
Yeah, that, I mean, come on. I mean, the, the, the volume of that thing, the, the way it cut, it, the sound traveled. That I was mean, high pitch, too. Yeah. That's like, wow. So I guess out that, of a human octave range is what the experts it's said. Like, yeah. For a scream. I mean, wow. I, I couldn't duplicate that, and I could sing pretty darn high. And, I, and one <laughs> of the um, members, uh, I think it was Alexis Broadhead, she was there, and she said, it sounds like two of them. I don't, I don't have that. I didn't ca- catch that, but it, it, she said it sounded to her like they were two of them uh, entities from one location across the other. And I mean, so the I know- area is just nothing but vast forest up there. It's just nothing but just um, as far as you can see. I know that in the very beginning of that clip, there's a lot of, it sounds like dead time, but you have to really listen really hard because there is like a little low pitched something that's kind of built up right in the beginning yeah, of that. Yeah, you can hear something start firing up, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and as I remember, she recorded, what they nor- typically do is leave the recording device out and it's like activated and it, it, it activates at a certain, you can set certain fancier recorders at a, it'll activate at a certain octave. And so I think that they were probably asleep or something. And she had that out at the horse camp. And I know that when I was there, that a lot of people left their recorders uh, concealed and, or hanging from the horse camp boards or whatever, and just leave them on, you know, and then you can just get rid of the stuff that's nothing there. In fact, when we were there, there was a recording. A guy got, he set his recorder on a stump that we were at at the evening. And when he left, he went back to get it the next morning. Something heavy, footsteps, footfalls, like bipedal, 15 minutes after we left that area, walked up to that stump. Now, this is a stump out of a million stumps, okay? You know, of course, we were there for a couple of hours. It's like something was curious about what we left or what we were doing there, walked up to the recorder, and then turns around and walks away. 20 minutes later, it comes back to the same stump, walks up and walks away. So that was creepy. So not to give away the exact location of this horse camp, what part of Oregon are we talking about? Well, it's Tillamook Forest. Okay. Which is, uh, I think, 40 minutes from the town of Tillamook on the coast. So it's kind of coastal. It's, Mm -hmm. you go where we were, our main camp was, was about 40 minutes from the town of Tillamook. And then you go further uh, east from there, and there's a turnoff um, for the horse camp. So... It goes way. It goes a couple of miles back on forest roads. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, decide for yourself what you think about that scream. It can put the hair up on my arms. I'm telling yeah, you. I've never heard creepy. anything like that. Before. I have never either. Mm-mm. And I've done a lot of backcountry hiking. And yeah, you do. You're up. You're out there all the time. You were there yesterday. We were out in the middle of nowhere yesterday. I was. Yeah, I was. I did ten miles. Crazy. Did woman. two peaks and yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, Glutton well, for punishment. I know. I'm so it today. if you're interested in doing an expedition, you can go on bfro.net. Check out the website and and read. There's a lot of good information there. Um, they have at certain times a year. They have expeditions all over the United States. Okay. Well, I I think we should just wrap this up and thank Cindy for being part of our little dog and pony show. Yeah. That we kind of chopped up, chopped up her, uh, her her interview, I guess, because I talk too much, which isn't <laughs> unusual. Anybody that knows me knows that much. Um, there was like a weird, some I don't know what was going on with your recording equipment, but I had to cut out a bunch of beeping sounds and some weird other oh, weird yeah, stuff was you know going me, on. I'm a professional <laughs> IT person. I know what the hell I'm doing. Not, 
Yeah. Hey, I do the best I can. You do your best and forget the rest. I know. So we we did have some technical difficulties. So sorry, Cindy, that we didn't get the whole thing on here, but that's okay. Um, We got the meat and potatoes of what Cindy does. Yeah, but Cindy, you can pronounce gigantic pickethrick like nobody's And all the other variations of it that she just... Oh my God, that she rolled off her tongue like it was nothing. Yeah, you got me beat. I tip my cap to you, my dear. Okay. Well, yeah, thank you, Cindy, for that. Let's plug her... Um, photography business again what was rose photography rose photography out of bend oregon dot com is that she has a website I, i'm not sure honestly i think so honest, i think that's where i saw her stuff i know she has a facebook page yeah, too so yeah, rose she's, she's rose rose photography.com right. yeah and she does weddings and i mean she does all kinds of cool stuff look like yeah yeah so anyway if you want to get on one of those brfo expeditions or become a member just brfo.com put on your big girl panties yeah <laughs> And oh, and and Denise has a rule: she will not sleep in a tent. <laughs> it's hard-sided, yeah. hard-sided shelters for her because of yeah things hard, roaming hard, around in the forest. Hard-sided walls, gun turrets, the whole bit. Well, let me tell you something. Right now, I am. I thought I was going to be doing a backpacking trip up in Desolation Wilderness, but I just talked to my hiking buddy John. I said I think we need to cancel going there because the bear activity in Desolation Wilderness is off the charts right now. Wow. I mean, these bears are so habituated with people; they will sit and watch you put up your tent. They just sit there and watch you while filing their big giant fingernails <laughs> waiting for you to See, set your shit your up bear barrel or whatever exactly what kind of right Ooh, are in they're there. like taking notes do you have a bear can or do they have one of those bullshit yeah. little paper things that they keep their food in yeah. oh and how are they going to hang it oh okay i i see how they're doing it we're going to we're going to get up there later and get yeah, that thing hey there jan you're not putting your steak in right well you what's going what's going on <laughs> and here's the thing uh climate change has really jacked up bears um uh, hibernation patterns they're not hibernating they are not hibernating the little little suckers mm-hmm. and what they're doing is well or or they'll sleep for a little bit and then they'll like wake up in the middle of winter and say i'm hungry because they didn't get enough fat on them to mm-hmm. last them through the whole winter and then go and start rampaging say, hey, cabins hey, go over to uh, jan's camp 100 yards away yeah. give me some nachos i want some cheese or on there and, or you know, some, some corn chips or those cabins <laughs> over there those, those yeah. windows look easily to bust into <laughs> there's so many people now in the tahoe basin and they're just not practicing good um people are just not being good people and good humans and putting away their stuff and they're still leaving stuff out and these bears know this they're smart mm-hmm. man and they're figuring it out they're figuring out how to get in even these bear canisters that, are, that we have to carry that are so supposedly so bear proof their bears are now like oh i'm just gonna bang this thing on a rock till i get it open and they well, will you know like anything else i mean that you're gonna go off into the middle of nowhere you know, be aware, do some research on stuff, what you're supposed to bring and not and what right. not to do. You know, there's just certainly there's no shortage of boneheads in this world. And, you know, and, yeah. and it, it it teaches these bears a different behavior. They are. They're getting just totally habituated and global warming and climate change and all that stuff. Because we had snow now up in the mountains. It didn't melt off until like the first of August. Mm-hmm. So those bears now only have like about three months now to get fat mm-hmm. for their supposedly hibernation time. That's not enough time. And now it's fall up there. I was just up there yesterday. All the wildflowers are dead. All the mule air are dead. Everything's dead because now it's fall. So they only had August mm-hmm. for, as a summer month. That's wow. it. That was that was all the that was all the month they had well, for then, while then all just, the berries that they you, eat. You're a little happy ass trotting along. Yeah. They're gonna go. You know what? One hit. And I'm good for I the know rest what, of it. I know I'll what she's got in that her. backpack. Yeah. I'll, and, or or you just eat you. <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's scary. 
you know, black bears typically aren't, you know, aggressive like that. Mm-hmm. But if they're hungry enough, they'll start getting aggressive with people. They will. I mean, there there have been there have been black bear attacks. They're just not as prevalent as grizzly bear attacks because mm-hmm. grizzlies are, you know, big prey. Well, their behavior's changed. You know, you lent me that book about predator behavior, how it's yeah. changed. And basically because we're not hunting bears anymore and we're not in California anyway, they're not allowed to hunt some certain species. And so what's going on is that they become habituated to not be fearful of man. Right. Period. Or dogs. They're or not used to, you know, the generations that are coming up are not taught to be afraid of, of man. So mm-hmm. there you go. Jumping so, through your windows and going through your bank account and your refrigerator. Have there been, oh, have there been stories of Sasquatch busting into people's cabins, backwoods oh, yeah. cabins yeah. and camp tore, looking, tore it apart. looking for food? And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One left a 20 on the dresser. I don't know. Here, sorry. I was hungry. <laughs> we have a mutual friend, Gary, you know, plays drums. Oh, yeah. And he told a story. He's got a cabin up in the Trinity Alps, and he told a story about the bear. Bears broke into his cabin and drank all his vodka. <laughs> wow. Poor bears. Oh, man. All his good vodka, too. I don't know who was more unhappy, Gary or the bears. Uh, I'm thinking Gary. I would think so, yeah. Drink Knowing what I remember of Mr. Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious, though. The bear drank his vodka. All right. Well, that's it for this show. What are we doing next? Uh, the next episode, I believe, is going to be ranting about AT&T. Uh, oh. I think we're going to talk a little bit about the last night's Democratic debate, maybe. I think you all missed right. that one. I missed it, but I get all not, caught up on NPR. We're not going to offend any one particular party. We're just, I'm, just, well, I'm going to give an account of what I saw. And, okay. Uh, you know, we're trying to keep it between the lines. We don't want to cross over in anybody's. Uh, we have mutual friends that are on the other side, of, other side of the fence, and we are, and they're still our friends. Well, yeah, and we'll talk about the dynamics of that and how people's friendships are going to shit because of this political climate. Yeah, but that's that's the next episode, and so we will conclude. And we are Ranch, Ranch Girl, Girl Rants. Rants.